Hey folks, you know what? A small regret is slouching in the dentist chair thinking I should have brushed and flossed better. A big health regret is listening to your doctor and thinking I should have paid attention to nutrition when I was younger. I have that regret a lot. Better health today and when it matters most is why I take Field of Greens. Field of Greens is unlike any fruit and vegetable or green product. Field of Greens isn't watered down extracts. Field of Greens is an organic superfood. It's whole fruits and vegetables. Each fruit and vegetable was selected by doctors to support vital body functions like heart, liver, kidneys, metabolism, and of course, your immune system. And only Field of Greens is backed by a better health promise. At your next checkup, your doctor will notice your improved health or you're gonna get your money back. Don't look back and say, I should have paid attention to nutrition when I was younger. Field of Greens is a key to better health today, right now, and when it matters most. Let's get you started with 15% off and free shipping. All you got to do is visit fieldofgreens.com and use the promo code JUSTNEWS at checkout. That's promo code JUSTNEWS at fieldofgreens.com. Hello, America, and welcome to the Monday edition of John Solomon Reports, the podcast from Just the News, where right now we're broadcasting live from the Freedom Phone Studios here in Washington, D.C. Yes, get your Freedom Phone from my good friend Eric Finman. All you got to do is go to justthenews.com slash Freedom Phone, and you'll be able to get a discount, and you'll see all the features, and check out if the phone is right for you, privacy-protecting and freedom-loving. It celebrates the apps that don't censor. How about that? What a great idea. All right, we've got two great guests today. Mike Collins, a trucking company executive running for the 10th District U.S. House seat in Georgia. Good chance of winning there. He's here to talk about the Democrats' plan to create, you ready for this, a per-mile tax on our vehicles. Basically, you're going to be tracked and taxed based on the number of miles you drive each year under this pilot program, which, you know, in a few years could become law. And he is worried that this is a backdoor to, you got it, surveillance by the United States government. We're going to talk to him about that. And then Marilyn Quigley, a 40-year teacher. She taught students in Missouri for more than four decades. She's here to talk about an extraordinary new movement occurring in the state of Missouri. Yep. Remember when we had the movement for body cams for cops? Well, now there's a movement to put cameras in classrooms so parents can monitor what their teachers are teaching their kids, their students, their children. How about that? We're going to tackle both of those. Now, before we get there, a couple of quick, important stories on just the news that I hope you had a chance to check out. Devin Nunez has been on the show many times. He scored a big legal victory heading into the weekend. You may not have heard about it, but it is on Just the News under my byline. Yes, a federal judge has authorized a defamation lawsuit to go forward against the Washington Post by Devin Nunez. The Post libeled or defamed Devin Nunez by claiming he subscribed to the theory that the Trump Tower had been wiretapped and that he then went to the Trump White House to find evidence to back it up. That is not true. Both of those claims are false. And what's making it even more amazing, the Washington Post once reported it right and then reported it wrong. Uh, Ouch, that's going to be a big case. So a big victory for a conservative fighting mainstream media. Uh, Keep an eye on that. It's still a long way to go. It's got to go to trial, but this opens the door to discovery and the beginning of a litigation process. And then separately, yes, you saw the images. It's unbelievable. Just a few short weeks from the 20th anniversary of 9-11 in Afghanistan fell to the Taliban uh, even before we got our soldiers out, before we got our staff out. 
a major, major foreign policy blunder for the Biden administration. And there's a very important story about my colleague Susan Keating looking at just how bad the U.S. intelligence assessments were. They just didn't get this right. And then that ends up resulting in Vice President Joe Biden going on vacation when he should have stayed at the White House. Afghanistan falling not in six months like some predicted, but in one week. Every aspect of this is wrong, from the timing to the will of the Afghan army. All of that we have live, yep, on our site. Check that story out by Susan Keating. Very important. All right, we're going to do a quick commercial break. When we come back, first up, Mike Collins, candidate for Georgia, talking about the per-mile tax, followed by Marin Quigley, a longtime teacher who thinks it may be a good idea to put cameras in classrooms so that we can see what's going on with our students. All right, we'll be right back right after this commercial break. Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress-them-on-the-third-date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app today to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. All right, folks, welcome back from the commercial break. And as promised, a very special guest. I love doing this. We're introducing America to some of the folks running for Congress in 2022. And joining us right now from the great state of Georgia is Mike Collins, who's running from the 10th Congressional District congressional seat. Mike, great to have you here. Well, John, I appreciate you having me on. Uh, it's an honor to have you on. And, you know, what makes you, I, I love when we find someone that uh, is in the business world and uh, grounded in real life in the economy. So you run a trucking headquarter, uh, a company headquartered in Georgia, right? That's right. We're here in central Georgia. And 100 employees, right? So you're a job creator. We are. You know, uh, my wife and I, we started our trucking company about 30, 31, 32 years ago. Wow. Amazing. So you you know the real life economy, real life world. That's really important. Uh, we need more people in Congress, I think, that understand the basics of economy and job creation because we seem to be doing a lot of things that have people scratching their heads. You've been very vocal about one of the provisions in the infrastructure bill that was passed by the Senate last week, and that is the first steps towards a per mile vehicle tax. Basically, you'll get taxed in the future based on this pilot program by the number of miles you drive. Now, that obviously has a negative effect on your company, a negative effect on me because I got to commute every day. What's your take on where this program's headed and also the dangers of it? Well, John, it's another tax. Now, you know, in the past, have you ever seen Congress pass one tax with the intention of eliminating anything else? Never. It's just an additional tax, which is unnecessary to begin with. I'm not for any tax increases of any sort. They have enough of our tax money. They don't know how to spend it properly. And what makes you think that just because they want to implement a per mile tax, which, by the way, when they do that, they're going to be tracking your every move. Sure. Now, I'm in the trucking industry. It's the most regulated industry that there is in this country. Where else do you know of or who else do you know of that has to identify what they do 
every day, 24 hours a day, seven days a week for their entire life. Nobody but truck drivers. Yeah, now, such now, a great if you point. want to do a per vehicle, per mile tax, how do you think they're going to track that? This is another grab from the federal government to be able to track your move, your moves, because that's the only way they're going to be able to track your vehicle. Yeah, they're going to put most likely, according to the bill, a transponder in your car that'll measure your miles. And that means one more element of your privacy is gone, right? It is. It's, it's another power grab by a federal government that is doing a well of a job right now with a power grab for every facet of your life from whether they're telling you that they want you to do mandates for masks, mandates for vaccines, passport vaccines. It's every facet of your life. They want to control it. And that's enough. This infrastructure bill that they just passed is it's only got like 20% of it going towards actual roads and bridges. Yeah. No, that, right. is, that, that should, Why not just give us a clean bill? Let's work on the roads and bridges with the congestion problems that we have right now. They could have done that, and they would not even have to fool with trying to implement more new taxes. Yeah, it's, it is amazing. 77% of the bill goes to things other than highways, bridges, tunnels, ports, and waterways, which are the traditional definitions of infrastructure. So really, really remarkable. You run a business. You run a business that uses a lot of vehicles because you're, you have a trucking company. The government starts taxing you by the number of miles your truckers must drive to do their deliveries and other things that they do. What's going to be the consequence to you as a business owner and to your employees? It's going to be the same as with anybody. The price is going to go up. You know, you take right now, the price is already going up with inflation. Just the inflation alone, the average truck gets around six, six and a half miles a gallon. Right. Which, thanks to the EPA. The EPA has had a detrimental effect on, on trucks and how efficient they are for the past 20 years. But that's a different story. Six and a half miles a gallon. You don't think that adding an additional tax is not going to create a hardship on trucking companies now with a profit margin of about one and a half, two percent? Wow. A tax could wipe out your margin, right? It will wipe out that margin. Hmm. It most certainly will. Wow. Because it's it's hard to just keep passing on the the increase, but it's going to have to go with the taxes. If, if they implement the, a, a per-vehicle mile tax, and if they don't, what they need to do right now, you tell me what you're spending my money on right now for roads and bridges. You tell us what to audit it, because it's not all in fuel tax, John. We pay a lot of different taxes, oh, federal sure. excise tax, federal highway use tax every year, 550 bucks per truck per year to run that truck up and down the highway. It's called a federal highway use tax. So it's not just gas taxes that we pay or diesel tax. It's one more tax that they don't need, that they're irresponsible. You can look at the infrastructure bill and tell how irresponsible they are. And then you tack on top of that, Nancy Pelosi standing on the other side of her saying that she's going to withhold, withhold the infrastructure bill until the Senate passes that $3.5 trillion, who knows what green deal that they want to put on top of that. Now, when the Senate passes that, then she'll pass the infrastructure bill. Yeah, $4.5 trillion will be injected into the economy at a time when 
we're already suffering inflation. How impactful has the Biden inflation tax been to your company and to, to your workers? I mean, when you got to go to the pump, it costs more. When you go to the store, it costs more. Uh, what, uh, what are your workers and your own company experiencing with the rapid growth of inflation? Well, uh, every one of them eat. <laughs> you know, so, you, you look you look at food prices. That's right. You go buy a gallon of milk. You know, there is a tax that's being implemented on every American right now as the fuel costs go higher. And it's not just on fueling up the trucks. It's in everything you buy. Everything you buy is going to move by a truck at some point. And you're yeah. just driving costs even further higher. Mm. So it just it's a cycle, right? It's a vicious cycle. You're gonna, inflation goes up, and then taxes go up, taxes go up. You pass it back around and you continue to drive that spiral. It's really scary. Now, you are running as a Republican, obviously, and uh, you are been critical of some of the Republicans in the Senate who voted for this bill. What, what frustrated you about their support for this bill? And what might you do about it when you get to Congress and if you win the election next year? Well, we're going to win this election. I'm going to Congress in Georgia's 10th district down here. And we are going to take some people up there. I'm going up there as a person that's a small business person, someone who has a backbone, no other agenda other than going and getting my America first agenda back. You think about it, John. You look at what President Trump did over four years, reducing taxes, getting some of these burdensome regulations off of our backs, and, and securing the border has a lot to do with with how we pay out or the amount of government funds that are paid out to even illegals. So just getting our fiscal house in order up there. But you look at what he was able to do in four years, even though they tried to drown the poor guy with this Russia hoax mess. And then you look at in seven months, this infrastructure bill is right the opposite. It is nothing but a wasteful spending spree that is a payback to those Democrats. You wonder why you haven't really heard anything out of AOC and, and Bernie Sanders. Man, they won. They, they got what they wanted, and they're going to get what they want coming up with the rest of this. And we need to hold people accountable for this mess. There is no reason why they couldn't have just passed a straight infrastructure bill to deal with these roading bridges, these roads that need fixing, and the congestion problems that we have instead of adding on all this other stuff. If they wanted to vote on all that other stuff, bring it up separately. That's why American people have had enough with the people in Washington. That's why they're ready to get rid of that bunch. And you know what? It's not just the left-wing lunatic Democrats. I mean, you got rhinos up there in the establishment crowd in, that, in the Republican Party that like to spend money just as bad. And it's time for them to be held accountable to it is really a remarkable couple of months because you've seen the border disintegrate and COVID come in. Afghanistan fell even before we got our troops out. Crime is sweeping the country. And then you've got inflation taking a bite out of everyone's wallet, eroding any gains they might have made in the last couple of years in the Trump economy. Why is Washington so unable to see the pain that they're inflicting on the American people. What's the disconnect? How how could you be sitting in Washington and not realize that you've let the country down? You know, John, I think you're you're singing my song for what I like to call term limits. Yeah. That is a primary reason we need term limits. You realize Nancy Pelosi has been in Congress longer than I've been in business. She has been serving 
the people of this country for 33 years. That tells you that that's her job career. And when you get into that mentality, it's uh, how do I get reelected? Not serving the constituency out here across America. And we need term limits. We need people who actually want to put their business to the side, go up to Washington, serve the American people, and then come home. And, and that's what I tell people every day. I will go to Washington. I'll fix this problem. And then I'll come on back home and let someone else go up there and continue the fight or pick up where I leave off. You don't yearn so to be a career politician people. is what you're saying, huh? <laughs> no, sir. Yeah. Not, not interested in that. Yeah. That's such a, you know, our original founding fathers had the same philosophy and over the last half century, particularly, we've just created career politicians and you can track the rise of career politicians to the rise of the national debt and spending and taxes uh, pretty easily. It's pretty remarkable. You know, John, you, you talk about getting back a little bit to this inflation problem that we've got. I came in this morning, was reading a, an article where China and, and what did President Trump always say was our biggest problem? China. Yeah. China's shut down the third largest port in the world again. Now, unfortunately, a lot of our products come from China. Now, what do you think is going to happen next as these products don't show up on time? Oh, you're really fixing to see inflation hit. Yeah. Yep. A trade war would just completely um, toss this inflation problem into probably double digits. That's one of the, the really concerning things that people have. Your impression watching over the weekend as Afghanistan fell to the Taliban in less than a week, uh, the president remained on vacation, didn't come back to the White House, and we underestimated the Taliban's ability to run the country that we didn't even get our own people out. And so now we're in a quagmire of trying to get people out of the airport. What is your perception having seen that firsthand over the weekend? Well, it's very disturbing. But I mean, if you think about it, John, I mean, uh, Joe Biden's has lost his last year's Easter egg. I mean, he, he, you've never seen him. You never saw him campaign. You, yeah. I don't know what people expect him to do different when he became president. Yeah. But, uh, you know, we're, we are tired of the endless wars out there with no end game in sight. We're, we're tired of that. But uh, the way you leave is not the way he's leaving that country. And you're going to have a lot of folks that, that were genuinely trying to change the country and help us. And they've been left high and dry over there. Yeah, no, it really is. And uh, women are going to be put back through uh, the extraordinary repression. And anyone who assisted the United States is going to be killed if we don't get them out of there. Is this his Saigon moment? Is this more than just an optical issue, but a question of competence in your mind? I think everything is a question of competence with him. Yeah. Um, you know, this is just one more notch in the belt. Yeah. And if you get to Congress, do you think there ought to be a commission that looks at how we got every aspect of this wrong? Starting with, you know, we spent 20 years building up an Afghan army that folded faster than my hanky did. And then, um, uh, but then also the planning over these last four or five months, uh, we clearly didn't have a plan to get out of there safely before the Taliban could take over. Would you support a commission, some sort of deep investigation? Well, I think what they need to do is look and see what we did wrong. Yeah. If you don't, you're going to do it again. Yep. You know, you're right. 20 years we had to, I guess, to build an Afghan army, and it didn't even last a day. Yeah. So, yeah, 
you need to go in and find out exactly what went wrong and don't repeat that. Yeah, we have to learn from this because it is one of the most embarrassing moments in American military history, what we've just witnessed. We've done a lot of work here at Just the News and extracting documents from Fulton County through lawsuits and FOIA and also from Brad Raffsenberger's office. And you see this extraordinary incompetence and failure and malfeasance in Fulton County, whether it's double scanning ballots, whether it's uh, adjudicating ballots and, and deciding that the mark next to Donald Trump's name shouldn't count only the one next to Joe Biden to you know money not accounted for, equipment not accounted for, 29 pages of observations from Raffsenberger's own hand-picked observer at the election of everything that went wrong. You've been a vocal proponent of getting a full audit. Do you think there is the will in Georgia to get that done now, given all the things that have been revealed in the last couple of months? I think that more things are going to keep coming out, dribbling out. But the number one issue in the state of Georgia, everywhere we go, and I would say outside the state of Georgia, I've had the opportunity to speak in a couple of places outside of Georgia. The number one issue is election integrity. People don't have confidence in an election. They're not going to come vote. And you've got to restore that. The way you restore that is you audit these votes. You know, if the IRS feels like that you, John, that you didn't pay your taxes right, what are they going to come do? They're going to come audit you. Now, there's no reason that we can't audit those votes. There's no reason whatsoever. And then if we're wrong and if I'm wrong, hey, mud on my face, fine. But at least we need to re- we're going to restore some confidence in the elections. Because I can tell you, I talked to people. I worked those polls. I was there. I've talked to folks afterwards, and I can't tell you how many say, well, I, I didn't go back to the runoff. Yeah. Vote wasn't going to count. I wasn't going back. And that's what we got to fix. Yeah, it's pretty remarkable, isn't it? It, it really is. And, and uh, the mainstream media has really suffocated a lot of these stories coming out. But the story has evolved. There is such overwhelming evidence of irregularities in places like Wisconsin and uh, Arizona and Georgia that we've got to educate the public because they're not getting the information. Uh, with the exception of sites like ours and your work, there isn't a lot of people talking about it. And I think that that really is a remarkable thing. You've had a lot of people supporting you already. You've you run for Congress once before in 2014 and was a finalist. What lessons did you take from your first run of Congress and how will that shape what you're going to do in the 2022 election? You know, you're right. I did. I ran seven years ago and I, I've never held elected office. Yeah. And, and back then I thought, well, you know, we need true, good, solid business people in Washington, good, solid conservative folks with a backbone. And uh, I don't know, maybe I was a little ahead of my time, or, but, but I can tell you now that after having four years of the best president of my lifetime, who happened to just so be a business person, an outsider, that that, that has propelled the importance of what we were saying back then, that you need actual people to go up there with the backbone that can run that place like a business and get our fiscal house in order. And the fact that I am a strong social conservative just it puts another layer on it, just icing on the cake. Yeah. And people are clamoring for that. Matt, take a look at it. We've, we're working on a $30 trillion debt. We've got a deficit on a normal year we they've been spending around 4.8 trillion we don't even take in the little over 3 trillion 
How does that compute? You can't run that place off the seat of your britches up there with an open checkbook. It's not and, sustainable. And I'm telling you, I, Americans are clamoring for people to go up there and fix this problem. Yeah. If we don't, we're not going. We're going to lose this country. Yeah, that is the stakes. I mean, the stakes are that high. It really, it really is remarkable. One last thing I want to ask you about masks in schools and and the debate over uh, masks. The last year has put a lot of attention on the public school bureaucracy, the teachers unions, their intentions, their, what they want to do, their political agendas. What is your outlook for this coming school year with the ambiguity right out of the back about masks in school and other things going on? What do you see as happening? It's the last power grab by this government, by the federal government. Now they're going to go after your children with critical race theory to where you divide folks, you divide these kids, and then they're going to come in like the riding on the white horse so that you'll lean towards the government for everything. And that's the same outlook with these mask mandates. No mask mandates, no vaccine mandates, and no to these vaccine passports. I know what's best for my kids and my children, and I know how to handle that. I don't need the federal government in that business. Yeah. Every time you turn around, John, I mean, you you look at it. You know, Dr. Fauci's like a squirrel crossing the road. He's back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. Yeah. When did the CDC become the the end-all determinant of what we are able to do? They're not even elected. No, they're not. And they're determining things like moratoriums on renters. I mean, they're not, it's not even a health issue. Yeah. It's um, stunning. It really is stunning. And and it's gotten to a point where nobody really believes anything that's coming out from up there. Yeah, that's a real problem long term, because when you have a crisis in confidence, people start to go their own way and they no longer trust the experts. And I think that's one of the outcomes of COVID, right? That we may not trust our government as much after all that we've been through. It sure is. Yeah. Well, Mike, how do uh, folks stay in touch with your campaign on Twitter, on, on the website? What's the best way to stay track of what you're doing in your campaign in the 10th District? Hey, I'd love for them to check us out. And I encourage people every night that we get the opportunity to speak. This time around midterm elections, John, are some of the most important we've got. I see a huge red wave coming. If you thought that 2010 was something with the Tea Party, you haven't seen anything yet. We're seeing so many people come in that are brand new to all these meetings haven't ever been involved before and they're fed up, they're mad and they want to do something. Isn't that amazing? And I tell them you need to, you need to check out everybody running in every race. I don't care if it's your homeowners association. I don't care if it's board education or what it is. I'll to the president, see who is running. And that includes me. And you can go to mikecollinsga.com. That's our website. It also throws you over to all those social media sites. As long as I'm still up. And you can look at us because we have a great opportunity right now to put the right people in every position that is up for election. And and I would love to see some fellow good conservative business people in Washington, D.C. with me up there. We're going to change some stuff up there and we'll fix these problems. But I need their help, and, and I encourage you, if you can, if you could go to MikeCollinsGA.com, I'd love to have your ideas. What a unique idea. A congressional candidate who wants his constituents' ideas. <laughs> That's almost unheard of. 
That's awesome. What a great thing. We need more of that. People, it's, uh, you know, one of the things I sit here in Washington, I've been here 30 years, and people here actually have fooled themselves into thinking that they're smarter than the American people. And uh, it's refreshing when you hear a candidate who wants to actually hear what his own constituents want. It's a, it's a rare thing these days. It really is. Well, I appreciate it, John. And uh, like I said, there's a great opportunity coming up in the midterm elections. I agree. It's going to be a pretty remarkable year next year. Well, sir, thank you for your time and all the wisdom you shared with us today. Your comments on the mileage tax and its impact on privacy, something we ought to be thinking about. It wasn't on our radar until you mentioned it, but it's such an important point to make. And uh, we'd love to get you back on the show as the campaign unfolds. Hey, anytime. Love to be on there. Sure would. I would Appreciate love it. Time. All right. Thank you, sir. All right, folks, we're going to take a quick commercial break. When we come back, we're going to take a little detour to the state of Missouri and a movement underway to put cameras in classrooms so parents can see what their teachers are doing. We'll be right back after this message for that big story. Okay, it's time to commit. 2024 is the year for prioritizing yourself. Begin your new smile journey with Byte, and you could start seeing results in just two to three weeks. Just order your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95 at Byte.com. Byte Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer financing options, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA, FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte. All right, folks, welcome back from the commercial break. And as promised, I want to take our eyes off of uh, Afghanistan for just a few seconds and focus on something that's going on in Missouri. I think it's going to become a national trend. A couple of weeks ago in Springfield, Missouri, the capital, there was a parent school meeting. It was a group of activists talking about how can we get better control of the school boards and the issues that are affecting our children, whether it's critical race theory, the gender pronouns, all the things that are being taught and all the controversies around it. And this idea came up and advocated by many parents to put cameras in the classroom just the same way we put a body cam on a, a police officer so that parents could monitor what their children were being taught. And the idea has blown up. People are talking about it. Teachers are panicking about it. The unions are fighting back. There's discussion of a law being introduced in the Missouri State House soon. And somebody who knows a lot about this and has been advocating for it is a longtime teacher, 40 years of teaching our children in America. Marilyn Quigley is joining us. She recently retired as a teacher and she's been an activist in important school issues. And she has a very good amount of information on what's going on in Missouri in this debate. Marilyn, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me, John. It's an honor to have you. And before we get started, first, let me thank you for your public service, because teaching America's students and children is a public service. And we are so grateful that you did it for so long and with such great prestige. Well, I really counted it a privilege. Honestly, it is a privilege. It is. And uh, you get to shape children's future. And I think that's why so many people are concerned about this moment in education where teaching uh, students that America is inherently racist or that there are many pronouns or genders one can choose. All these things have parents really concerned. Tell us a little bit about the genesis of this idea of putting cameras in the classroom for parents. Well, it turned out, I think, that COVID just opened the window 
to what was going on, what has been going on in the classroom. And students were getting involved with parents, parents trying to help students, and suddenly some of them said, what are you being taught? And so all of this then came out, and we, all of us, began to learn some new terminology. And we have something here called critical race theory that is now being just tried, you know, trying to shove it down the throats of the kids and not tell the parents. But now they know. Such an important thing. We all learned because we were watching our students at home, our grandchildren, our children. Mm-hmm. And uh, right. all of a sudden, like, wait a second, they're teaching what? <laughs> and how that happened? Right. When yeah. that began? So exactly. what has been the initial reaction now that people are beginning to talk about cameras? It seems pretty predictable, right? There are a lot of parents that think it's a good idea. And the teachers in their union saying, this is an invasion of my privacy. No way. How's that working out so far in Missouri? Well, I'll tell you, the parents are really picking up steam here on this and on stopping critical race theory. They do not want it. And it is showing the power of parents at the grassroots level when they become active and they go to school boards. So here they are learning that cameras are legal in the classroom. And I mean, who would know after a year and a half of cameras in the classroom, but they are. There are no federal laws against cameras in the classroom. And my feeling is that when people go into teaching, they go into fundamentally a public act. Yeah. It's like, you know, judges in criminal trials or lawyers in the courtroom. It's a public thing that they're doing. And when they allow the cameras in there, it seems like a very natural thing. I can remember when it was a unique thing, but now it isn't. The same thing, you know, with body cameras on the policemen. Now it seems that any department in America that has about 500 police in it, about 70% of those do have the body cameras. Yeah, it's remarkable. And it's just accepted now. And it's brought some benefit, right? Obviously, public benefit, solving disputes between Mm -hmm. parties. And so creating evidence or capturing evidence that can be used in prosecuting a crime. And so we know there's benefit to it. And listen, there's been at least for 10 or 12 years now, a lot of parents have put cameras in their houses to check on when they have a nanny or uh, someone watching Mm -hmm. their children just to make sure that they have a extra layer of security. Now, I'm going to be clear about one thing. You're not advocating that the cameras be on the children, right? You're not trying to put the kids on camera, right? No, I am not. And I, I would really like to say something about that because whatever plan, and I have not read about this particular plan, honestly, but in thinking of this, it came to me and it seems like the right thing. I think the cameras should be focused on the teacher. The sound is always on, but we don't want our young learners you know, having to give a report and stand up and know that it's going out into the neighborhood and uh, close right out there. No, we don't want that. And even if you had your links, you know, available only to the parents, parents can take screenshots and, you know, put stuff, my kid giving a report or whatever right. on social media. So we don't want that. So what we want, in my opinion, is something similar to what they do with the police cameras. And that is all the footage, I'll call it footage, although it's technically probably not that. It is kept in a repository and when it's needed, it's there. So my idea is that the parent then could make an appointment, go up, sit in a private room, 
watch whatever class she wanted, you know, high school, maybe go view two or three teachers just to see what's happening there. Or elementary, sit and watch an hour or two or whatever. Because parents have a right to know. And that is one thing we pay the salaries of these people, and it's our children, our grandchildren in my case. It is. And and, uh, there's been an interesting development as I've watched this over the last three, four months. We've covered critical race. In fact, we have a full-time reporter that covers it full-time here, Uh, 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 Greg Piper. We're really dedicated to following this story. And early on, parents started to get the idea, well, I'm going to file a FOIA for my lesson, open Mm -hmm. records request and get the lesson plan for my uh, teacher, for my students, so I can find out what they're doing with my children. And the teachers came back and said, wait, that's proprietary. That's secret. There's there's trade lessons in it. Wait a second. Isn't this paid for by the American taxpayer? And you were a teacher once. Did you ever consider your lesson plans to be secret proprietary? It never would have crossed my mind. Furthermore, I had people dropping in my class at all times. I couldn't say, oh, no, this is private. I'm sorry. Anybody from parents, I've had parents just drop in visiting the campus, and they want to see what's going on, of course. No, it's not private, public. Yeah, it's paid for with public funds. It's pretty interesting. That's right. There's a teacher, I believe, in Rhode Island that's being sued by the teachers' union for suing to get the records. It's just remarkable, putting the parent on the defensive to see what's happening. What is next in this movement? I guess the the key would be for the legislature or perhaps individual school boards to go ahead and proceed with something like this. Where do you see this playing out as kids are just heading back to school right now? Well, I think it will be a process. It's like anything else. When the idea comes up, it's not just suddenly people jumping, you know, on the bandwagon. I think it's going to take um, what's been happening in my community, which is town hall meetings. In fact, I'm going to one tonight. The one I went to about two weeks ago, we had 150 people there with a panel of experts. And it was really informative. So parents are finding out. And what I am learning is that when parents put pressure on uh, school leaders, they begin to change. And this is what happened a year ago here in Springfield in one of our middle schools when it came out that the teacher training was indeed on critical race theory. And they were telling these white teachers that they were guilty based on their skin color and so forth. When that came out, they began to tone it down. And those words I have read actually looking, yes, we toned that down. (laughs) So what I see is parents need to push, push. I don't think parents realize or have maybe until now what a strong force they can be. So I think if they keep the pressure on, this has a possibility of happening. Yeah, no, I think that's the key. And I have not in my 30 plus years in journalism seen a moment where more people are engaged at their school board level, running as candidates, orchestrating recalls, going to school Mm -hmm. board meetings. It's actually created a revival, which is a good thing because the more parents are involved in school, the more the school system gets better. Absolutely. And, And I'm realizing that teachers are really standing up. You see, teachers, many teachers do not want to teach this. They know that it's wrong. Right. And it's, and I so met many of them to. myself, like, I'm being forced to do this. I don't like it. 
No, they want to keep their jobs. So here they are trying to make these decisions. And let me tell you this, here in Springfield, we have an underground group of teachers. I can't say who they are, but there is an organization here called Back on Track. And it is something to try to get the curriculum back where it needs to be. So within that, there are subgroups. And a good friend of mine is in one of those. And she said to me the other day, Marilyn, you need to go join this. And she said, we can't say who we are. Some of these teachers are, they teach for Springfield. Wow. Isn't that amazing? We had to force such a movement underground because the consequences and retribution are high for Mm -hmm. just uh, speaking out. Now, there is an interesting way of looking at this, and a lot of the smartest people I've talked to on both sides of the aisle said the real debate beyond what we're actually teaching is that somehow in the last decade or two decades, educators believe the goal was not to teach children how to think, but what to think. Political processes came in. As someone who was in the system, who, who taught for such a long time and produced such students ready for the world, is, it, is that a true analysis of what's going on in the classrooms and school systems around the country? You know, I think it is in many classrooms. I think we have a variety of, of teachers, of course, personalities, philosophies. So you have those wonderful teachers who are working hard, and there are many, many of them out there. And they want to teach critical thinking. And, of course, I taught English. And so in composition was my main focus in the college where I taught. And so we had to teach critical thinking so that they could write those essays. But it was interesting how so many did not have the critical thinking skills because the time had been taught in just inculcating information, but not so much what do you do with this. So I think cameras are going to do more than just stop, hopefully, the critical race theory. They're going to open up to the parents who deserve to know what is happening in those classrooms. And the good teachers are going to shine. And the poor ones, which the unions are supporting to keep there, it's going to be show up time, I guess, because it'll be obvious. Yeah, the show me state is going to say show up. How about that? That's pretty good. I like that. Yeah. I want to ask you about one last thing. It's not in Missouri, but it was something that we covered at Just the News last week, and it really shocked me. But Oregon has passed the law for the next five years. Students can graduate, particularly minority students, can graduate illiterate in math, incapable, and still get their diplomas because they're going to lower the standards or ignore the standards as someone who sent so many children into the world ready to be ready for the world, having the math skills, language skills, and the science skills, all the things that you need. What's your reaction to what Oregon just did? I just read this this morning, or was it last night? And I will tell you that what we're looking at here is the term equity in full-blown. Equity, not equality. You have equity is the end of the race. It's the outcome. Let's all get to the same place at the same time on the same level. And we'll do anything possible to get us here. Equality is the starting point. We will help you start and get to the starting line. So what they have done here, what they are doing is, this is critical race theory. This comes right out of it because their goal is to just make sure that equity is their key word. And that's what they're trying for, equity. And and it 
it's nothing about how much they know. It's let's just all say we're all here and it doesn't matter anymore. So I think it's really bad. It's a pretty remarkable moment. Equality mm-hmm. versus equity. Who, who would have thought we'd be in that debate at the beginning no, of the 21st never. century? Marilyn, we're really excited about what's going on. This is a very important story to cover. And I'd like to see if we can get you back on in a few weeks for an update as this kind of winds its way through the processes at the school board, the state legislature. It seems to me that Missouri is going to be at the forefront of a very big debate in America. Well, I would be very proud to know that they are. And I would be happy to follow this for you and see if I can find out what's going on here in Missouri. We'd be honored for that. And we're grateful for your time today as well. A lot of people hadn't heard about this, so such an important story. Hopefully we can illuminate the country about what's going on. Marilyn, thanks again for your time today. I thank you very much for having me on. Uh, it was a great time. All right, folks, we're going to do a quick commercial break. When we come back, we'll wrap things up for the day. Man, that sunset is gorgeous. Grill, patio, sunset. Hard to get better than that. Unless you're browsing Carvana's inventory while you soak it all in. Oh, burger time. So sit back, get comfortable. Carvana's got thousands of cars under $20,000 just waiting for you. I could stay here forever. Carvana, where car buying meets comfort meets convenience. Download the app or visit Carvana.com today. All right, folks, that wraps it up for the day. We've got a busy day. I've got some breaking news. Buckle your seatbelt. Some really important things going on overnight. Check out the site in the morning. Until then, may God bless you, and may God bless this extraordinary country of the United States, as he always has. You've been listening to John Solomon Reports, the podcast from Just the News.